Welcome to the Loose and Conversational Podcast. My name's David, and each week I sit down with co-host Jen, we have a few drinks, and we talk to people. This week's guest is John Bernardo. John Bernardo is a writer. He wants you to know this. He's been writing since he was a child, and he recently published a book titled Just a Typo, The Cancellation of Moe River Lake. I mean, sure, he produced a documentary about $2 bills and has a great YouTube channel dedicated to it. And yes, he has been on a couple of game shows, including Wheel of Fortune. John was involved in the entertainment industry in California, and he taught film students in Florida. Soon, he'll be releasing a podcast of his own. The man is so interesting that it's hard to focus on the fact that he is a writer. In the typical loose and conversational style, we're all over the place in this episode. It started as our cancel culture episode, and we do get to that, but John is an exciting guy to talk to, though, and an hour or so isn't enough time to get everything in. We try, and it makes for a great episode. I hope you enjoy it, folks. Welcome to the Loose and Conversational Podcast. be honest though i haven't read your book yet but i've gotten a good third of it read and then i lost it and then i found it yesterday so i could finish (laughs) okay wait a minute we got to back up for a minute you lost it where where did you find it it's not my fault oh this will make perfect sense because carol or uh, jen knows my girlfriend carol ann i found it we have a basket on our kitchen counter that has fruit and bread in it it was in there Perfect place. Yeah. Yeah. That made perfectly good sense, right? Yeah. And when the bread fresh, yeah. And I actually found it yesterday. Then this morning I was talking to her and I said, She said, Did you read his whole book? I said, No, I lost it. I couldn't find it. (laughs) And she goes, It's in the basket with the fruit. You know what that that tells me, right? That tells me that you don't eat a whole lot of fruit. (laughs) I don't. I don't eat fruit. (laughs) Because if you had your daily dose of fruit, you'd have found the book a long time ago. Yeah, that's right. Maybe it was a test. Maybe you should have put it in with the ice cream in the in the freezer. You would have found oh, yeah, it right totally, away. Totally, totally. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> the pages next would the, have been stuck together. Yeah, next time the fruit goes bad and I'm blaming her, she'll be like, you're the one who didn't find the book. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, okay, let's see. That's a loaded question um, because here we are talking about a book. I guess when I was a kid, I wrote a lot. I was one of those kids who um, didn't – there was no internet, obviously, and stuff like that. So I amused myself by writing. And writing stupid stuff and funny poems and things like that. Was into movies. And uh, as I got older, I wrote more and I wrote for my high school paper covering sports. And then when I got to University of Miami undergrad in college, I wrote for that paper and also took movie classes because I love movies. And I switched my major from journalism to film. And of course, now my love of writing and my love of movies combined. Now I want to write movies. So I finished college, went to get my master's degree at the American Film Institute in Los Angeles, worked in the entertainment industry for a while, uh, got to go on a couple of game shows, as you probably know, right? <laughs> I'm sure I you'll did, talk yeah, about I, that. Yeah, we'll get there. I didn't Everybody. know it was a couple game shows. I thought yeah, it was I one Wheel game of Fortune, show. Yeah. <laughs> there was also uh, Scrabble with Chuck Woolery. I don't know if you remember the game where they pulled the tiles out and you're answering uh, words on a Scrabble board. I'll talk to you a little more about it as we get going here. But I was on two shows and I worked in the business. And then I moved back to Florida and I was teaching college for a while. And I run a video production business um, where I shoot and edit and write stuff for clients. And uh, recently I had the bug to get back to the kind of writing I did when I was younger. And I said, I got to write a novel. I had an idea for a screenplay. And I said, I'm going to write this one as a book because I just want to be able to write, you know, 
prose and just run with it. And that's what I did with this novel, which is a satire of cancel culture. And I really enjoyed it. So I'm kind of back in that mode now. And as I move forward, I'm looking to do more, you know, humor writing, uh, short form and another book that I'm just about to start. So that's really me. I'm a creative entity. I've done a number of different projects. I made a, a documentary film about $2 bills. I left that out. <laughs> so I've done uh, quite a bunch of stuff. And when I post new stuff on Facebook, people are like, wow, you know, like, how did you do all that? I'm like, well, I just go from one project to another. I find That's something cool. creatively that jazzes me and I go do it. And, um, you know, after when you're in your 50 years old, it starts to add up after a while. Oddly enough, the thing that I'm most interested in that, and the one thing I, where do you find the documentary on the $2 bills? Okay. So um, it did the film festival circuit for a while, which was nice. I got to go around the country and show it on, on movie screens. Uh, last year, um, when COVID hit, after a while, I said, okay, you know what? It's time to give this away because it is on Amazon. If you want to rent it for oh, okay, $2.99, cool. I think you can rent it. But I finally, I have I have a um, another side thing that I do is I started a YouTube channel based on the $2 bill, which originally started as a way to host uh, the trailer, the preview. Thank you. I put a couple of clips up and one of the clips that explains why your $2 bill might be worth money all of a sudden had 500,000 views on YouTube. Wow. People were Googling like how much is my $2 bill worth and it was bringing up my video. I said, I got to put more stuff up here because you can monetize a YouTube channel. And I had all this extra footage that I didn't use in the film. So I started creating all these extra little short videos about different topics I didn't get to in the film. And now I have this channel with 60 something videos and um, 10 million views and I make oh. a decent little side income on it. Long well, story good. short, last year during COVID, I said, you know, I'm going to put the movie up. Uh, people can sit and watch it. And instead of waiting for someone to buy a DVD online, um, I actually make some nice revenue with the film being on YouTube with ads every eight minutes. <laughs> oh, that's cool. So how prevalent in the United States was the $2 bill? Was it like a common currency? Well, or it is. is. It, is it still? Is it still? Yeah. Then this is the uh, the movie dispels a lot of misconceptions. Number one, that it's rare because it's not rare. Um, there are, they still print them. They don't print them obviously as much as other bills. It is the most scarce of all the bills, but it's not much more rare than the 50. They, they, there's 1.3 billion $2 bills out there. And it's like 1.850s. Mm. Wow. So if you're going to hoard your twos and think they're worth something, you might as well hoard your 50s. And there's not even <laughs> twice as many 10s. And people have 10s all the time. There's less than double the number of 10s than twos. So it's a misconception that they're rare. They're not. Hmm. Uh, but people treat them that way. And so when you ask if they're prevalent in society, they're not because people get them and they think they're rare. They think they're worth more and that they're going to go up in value and they stash them away. And it leads to the cycle where you don't see them because people are hoarding them. And because people hoard them, you don't see them and people think they're rare. So it's just this cycle cool. of um, misconceptions. Here, here's a weird question for Jen. Because mm -hmm. in case yes, you haven't I noticed, I'm going somewhere with the $2 bill thing. <laughs> you didn't talk about Canadian $2, $2 bills at all, did you? Probably not, eh? Um, I, I mentioned them. Well, you're talking oh, to Jen, no. but okay. I mentioned yeah. them. No, no, no. I was talking to you. Yeah, I was talking to you because the uh, – so we Jen – had Well, we had $1 bills and $2 bills, which so obviously – do you remember – yeah, I, rem bills? I remember them. And I remember my mom hoarding them. Like when they really? were going to go out of circulation, like I remember her like hoarding the $2 and the $1 bills because like they're going to be worth something one day. And so she had like a jewelry box full of these like dollar bills wow. and $2 bills. And I remember once I had borrowed one and uh, I went to McDonald's and I paid with a dollar bill and they thought it was a $20 bill. So they didn't even look. They just gave me change for a 20. That's crazy. <laughs> I was like, you accepted it and didn't say anything. Of course, I'm yeah. not an idiot. <laughs> so where I come from, $2 bills, there was no $2 bills in Saskatchewan. And $2 bills were considered like devil money. And so when we devil would, money. yeah, I'll tell the story why. This is, I'm so glad that we talked about $2 bills so I could tell this. And, and people who are listening, if anybody are listening in Saskatchewan right now, they'll be like, that's right, there's no $2 bills. But then when we switched to Toonies, we had Toonies, right? Mm -hmm. And it's the uh, coin. Yeah, it's yeah, the coin, coin yeah, yeah, the coin. 
And uh, the coin that everybody initially thought that you could punch, the middle would fall out of it because it has yeah, a middle and an outside. Work like that. Yeah, I remember when I got my first toonie, I spent two days trying to get the middle out. I finally got it out, but like I miss the I miss the bills. Like I feel richer when I have bills versus all this fucking change. I have no use oh, for. Oh God, no, no. I worked <laughs> I worked at a fast food place where we get, carried floats. Yeah, and uh, all those ones were hell. But, but it's like I go to the U.S. and I like get changed. I'm like, oh my god, like look at all this money, you know. And it's like we there get a was coin. a time. So there's a city in Saskatchewan, quite the metropolis, mind you, called Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. <laughs> it's a real place. Sounds like a metropolis. Yeah, and yeah. there was a time where it was a place of ill repute. Like what's his face there? The Capone. It's rumored used to go to Moose Jaw to relax and stuff, and <laughs> to relax. In yeah, Moose and there's, Jaw. there's actually all these tunnels in Moose Jaw where there was like there stuff was no on. better place to relax than Moose. Yeah, Jaw, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. There's there's tons. Of history around Moose Jaw. <laughs> All right. But Moose Jaw was the place if you grew up in, in where I grew up in Regina. And my grandmother used to tell stories about this. My grandmother, when she was a young girl, which was a long time ago, they would get in a car and they would drive or they would get on a train and they'd take the train to Moose Jaw to go to the bar. And then they'd meet guys. And what would guys want to do? They'd drive them to Regina. So then they'd party in Regina. The guys are driving back to the Moose Jaw. She'd get they'd get in a train and then take the train back to Regina. So they're obviously very close. But the rumor is it would it cost you two bucks for a hooker in Moose Jaw. So, yeah. which is right near Regina, which is yeah, a yeah, wonderful sounding city name. In all, yeah, yeah. In all fairness, it probably still costs a two dollars. Yeah, for- I, I wonder what a moose jaw hooker costs now. Yeah. I think it's probably it's about probably it probably hasn't gone up much. Should I Google that while we're here? I mean, I'm- yeah. You don't want to get the ads that Google will send you if you Google how much <laughs> how much is a hooker in Moose Jaw. Well, just saying it, if my Google Home is listening to me, it's going to start showing it right now anyway. It's going to start putting it up on my Facebook. <laughs> you know, Moose Jaw, it's right by Regina. Oh, I yeah. know. I know. Even up until they got rid of $2 bills, we never had $2 bills in Saskatchewan. So I would come to, if somebody came to Alberta and then they came back or went to Manitoba or something like that or BC and came back to Saskatchewan, they'd be like, you want to see something cool? And then we'd all gather around. Okay, my last $2 bill story, because I'm going, you, you, You've given me an opportunity to tell stories I never thought I'd get to. Yeah, I'll just sit back. You just let me know when you need me. <laughs> yeah. We, we used to play this game called Bullshit. I think it was called Bullshit. Or it might have been called Oh, yeah, something. I remember. Or Asshole Bullshit. No, I remember Maybe Bullshit. Maybe it was Asshole. Was yeah. it with, you played it with the serial number on a $1 bill? Okay, no. That's not what I mean. Yeah. And there was just all these obscure rules. And you and so you would basically bet against – like you would play against people. You'd pull out a $1 bill and somebody pull out his $1 bill. And you would calculate the value of – of however many had points you had off the serial number and A's were obviously worth a lot because they were like aces. And I knew this guy, he had a $2 bill that had like six A's on and he would always win. So even that's, in... Yeah. That's not right. It has a, a letter and eight numbers and then another letter. But I, I guess, know. but there's the serial numbers listed twice. So technically there could be four A's. Well, actually yeah. then there would also be a fifth one because there's one in the... All right. Well, if you're just doing serial numbers, but I'll let you finish. But it, was Cana- <laughs> it was a Canadian $2 bill. I don't yeah, know. You don't know, know how many different. serial That's numbers right. are on different. our bill. It had a picture of the queen on it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, anyway. I put it in the movie. I've seen it. I know what they oh. look like. I have one. I mean, I have one in my drawer. But anyway, go ahead. How many serial numbers does it have then, Mr. I have one? I don't know. I don't exactly. know. I have to look it up. <laughs> you have a Canadian $2 bill? I I. Well, I had to talk about it in the movie. It had to oh, be wow. efficient. I just mentioned that there was a Canadian $2 bill because um, 
forget why I brought it up. I forget what the segue was, but hmm. I showed it and then I had a little effect where it looked like it tore in half because they no longer use it. And then I had a $2 yeah. toonie come spinning into the frame and settle. And, and so now we got to watch it. Yeah. yeah, now you got to watch it. I so, mean, our right. $2 bills actually are rare. So <laughs> yes, yeah, especially it's, in it's not worth more, but it's definitely hard to come by. And there was so, the version where the devil could be seen in the queen's hair, and they had to change that in the 1950s. I oh, yeah. I didn't yeah, put that in the I movie, am. but I did research that. Yeah. Huh. God, you know more about Canadian money know. than we know. Well, that's about all I know. <laughs> I know there was, there's birds on the back of it. It's, I think, the other thing I know, and that's about it. We used to have a $50 bill, and on the back of it, it had the Mounties standing on horseback in a circle, and everybody used to wonder why the Mounties would stand on horseback in a circle. And I to this day don't know. Why. I was going to say, why do they? I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, the the dumb person's firing squad. Right? Yeah, it's something be. like that. Where like <laughs> they all shoot forward and they all go down. Leave it yeah. to the mounties. So everything probably peaked after you did this amazing two dollar bill yeah, documentary. That we've been Where talk- else could you go with your been, career? <laughs> that's occupied us for ten minutes because no, now I can't love- wait to go see. I've done some other podcasts here because of my book, and inevitably, Wheel of Fortune comes up, and I'm sure we'll get there as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, the two dollar bill, because you know, it's the thing I found out about the two dollar bill is it's um, something that people are very interested in talking about because who talks about it and who knows anything about it? Really, nobody. When you get one, one my experience is when people get one, they kind of have this look of wow, like I haven't seen one of these. It's rare. It's so you still it's so you can go to the store and still get one, eh? Well, you can go to the bank and get one. Uh, oh. If you go to the store, it's unlikely you're going to get one as change. Well, what you should do, though, is take yours and spend them at the store and watch the reaction of the cashier who freaks oh, out. Oh, I will. Well, they yeah, put it in their pocket. The, yeah. yeah, they usually buy that at the register. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah. or what it what it does, what the movie's really about, as quirky as it is on occasion, it, it's really about connection. I found the story as I made the film. And when you use a $2 bill, there's something that connects you to the person about it. I mean, you're remembered as the guy that uses $2 bills. If you tip with them, they're going to remember you and then you're going to get- Do they ever think it might be a little phony? Uh, some people do. Yeah. Some, in fact, one of my most popular videos on my YouTube channel is a clip from the movie in which a guy got arrested for using them at a Best Buy department store. <laughs> and it happened in 2005. Some people think I made it up. It's an actual story. It was in the newspapers. I researched it. I found the guy. He reluctantly agreed to do the movie w- with me. I did a little recreation and I put like a one and a half minute clip on my channel. This guy, he, he used 50 of them to pay for something at Best Buy because he was mad at them. And he, he used I was going to say, that's just, fo- that's just no, fishy yeah. to start with. Yeah. Well, he used them in his business. He drove kids around on a tour bus and his gimmick was that he would give the kids their lunch money in $2 bills. So they had all mm. paid in advance. The school would pay. He'd go out and get hundreds of $2 bills and he'd give the kids $8 each in twos for their lunch. And they thought it was the coolest thing. So he has them. And when he got pissed about a car stereo, he paid with them. And because there were so many, the cashier was like, these can't be real. You know, started <laughs> marking them up, called the manager. The manager didn't know what was going on. They called the, uh, the police who ended up coming and arrested him. And then the secret service showed up and said, no, these are real. And they let him go. And the guy was absolutely humiliated. <laughs> oh That's hilarious. But it's, it's, it's I hear about it a lot because people comment on the videos on my channel and they say, you know, I tried to use one and they thought it was fake. And so I hear it a lot. I get all these stories, but it's it's fascinating. Like what other bill generates this kind of response than the two? Yeah. And that's why I it, think it's awesome. It well, might not have helped his case though when they said, okay, then why do you have all these $2 bills? Because I give them to children. Yeah, exactly. They like them. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's, on it's, my bus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where do you have all these children? On my bus. Yeah. Well, that's so surprising considering they're not actually Now he's rare. just telling people, yeah. oh, they arrested me because they thought they weren't real. Because yeah. I was giving kids money on a bus. Yeah, <laughs> totally legit. It's fine. <laughs> 
So where do you go after the $2 bill documentary? What's your follow-up uh, going to be? I don't know. People uh, people have said to me, you know, you should make one about the dollar coin. Oh, I was just going to say that. But yeah, you well, you asked me. You're the host. Yeah, I know. I, was gonna li- I thought you were going to go, I don't know. And I'm going to be like, how often do you see your dollar coin? So how often do you see a U.S. <laughs> coin? Uh, I don't think, you know, I had these two, I mean, I can even, I know that your listeners aren't looking on video. We're looking at each other here as we talk and record, but I can show you, I mean, I have bills in my drawer from when I was a kid and and that's what kind of inspired me to make the movie was that I had all these old bills that I collected as a kid thinking they were rare. I said, I got to do something with these. And I came up with the idea since I like writing movies and shooting and editing. I said, I'll go make a movie. And it turned into this big thing. I raised money and, and blah, blah, blah. So people say, oh, your next video, you're the money guy. You should do a movie on dollar coins. I'm like, well, dollar coins don't interest me the way $2 bills did. I mean, I don't have a stack of them in my drawer and they don't have the history. So I don't know that I'm going to do any other money projects except for adding new content to my YouTube channel, which I do regularly where I create stuff about the $2 bill. So I don't see myself any more money movies if, if I can uh, wrap there. that you up. And- you don't want to pigeon your hole yourself too much either. Yeah. You don't want to just be the money guy. Yeah. You got to, you know. Do you have a thousand dollar bill in the United States? Um, they did. And, um, one of my videos on my YouTube channel, which stretched away from the two, talked about the 500 and the 1,000, which are no longer made, but were for a while. In fact, my dad impressed me as a kid. Excuse me. My dad impressed me as a kid once, went and bought a car and he was going to pay cash. And he had a manila oh, wow. envelope filled with uh, 500s and thousands. Couldn't have been that many because how much Where was the a car? Where the hell did your the- dad get all that? <laughs> I don't know. But he like says, hey, you want to see something? And he opens up this case and he pulls out these, this wad of cash. He was going to pay for the car in cash. And I, that's when I first saw a $500,000 bill. Wow. Uh, and they don't make them anymore. The hundreds is the largest denomination here in the States, as many people know. And um, 500s and thousands are worth more. If you get one and you try to spend it, someone will say it's 500 bucks worth of spending. But it's actually, you know, I wouldn't spend it. I would try to cash it in and get more because it's worth more than its face value. Really? Wow. Wow, that's yeah. cool. Just because it's it's rare and it's not made anymore and it hasn't been made in 30 years. Oh, wow. We used to have $1,000 bills in Canada, probably mm-hmm. the same in the US. They went away because just criminals used them. Well, that's part of the reason they stopped them here is because why else does anybody need a $1,000 bill except to uh, you know put them in uh, suitcases and make a payoff? <laughs> God, imagine if you were going to the strip bar and you were going to use some of your uh, fun money and you meant to grab a fistful of twos. Actually, well, how much money do you throw at a hooker in the States? <laughs> Let's go there because um, the $2 bills are very popular in strip clubs and that is part of the movie. Uh, I took it out of the movie for the YouTube version because then YouTube would have flagged it and they wouldn't have been able to advertise you know, and have revenue. But $2 bills are very popular at strip clubs and there's several around the United States that use them um, exclusively and I had to visit them as a documentarian. I had to go there and get the story and so it is part of the film uh, how they're used in uh, strip clubs. So, oh, that's cool. you know, joke if you will, but um, there's a couple of places. There's one in Portland, Oregon. There's one in Dallas, Texas that used them exclusively and the girls love them and the guys want to get rid of them because if you go home with a $2 bill, they, you know, your wife knows you were at uh, the strip Trust, club. Trust me, I'm from Saskatchewan. I know. Okay, you don't want to be caught with a $2 bill. It's the <laughs> right, devil money. Then, right. They know yeah. where you – in fact, to take it a step further, uh, one of the places in Portland, Oregon is called Casa Diablo and this is in the film. He came up with – he wouldn't explain how he did it, but he dyed the bills that the edges of them – and I can actually – again, I know your listeners can't see this, but I could show you one where the edges are red and they and his idea was – Oh, really? Look so like you know they came dead. from there? Oh, yeah. Right. Exactly. Hold on. He's going into a drawer Hold full of money. On for oh, no, one I'm going into a drawer day. full of collectibles. 
Things so that go your way. whether you use this or not, or edit this oh, out. Oh, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Both sides have red dye, and um, I got these from the club and kept them as souvenirs. That's And he had to stop doing it after a while because people complained, and the story in the film is that um, they weren't sure if he like stole them and they you know blew up the powder that stains all the money. Oh, as if. <laughs> yeah, people were bitching about it, and they ended up, he stopped doing it because he didn't want to deal with all the legal I don't like hassle. when I get the $2 from the strippers that it's got this red on it. <laughs> oh, my God. I used to, I used to work at a store it was like a party store and so the strippers would come in with like their toonies and loonies and like hundreds of dollars worth of them and then like proceed to buy props you know like hawaiian shit and lays and like I don't really know. yeah and so they would always like come in with like this jar full of toonies and yeah i imagine the first time a, an american stripper oh comes up to canada and people start throwing loonies and toonies <laughs> at her which i still to this day think is like, i don't understand yeah yeah if you can't afford a five then don't go whoa 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 whoa, whoa. Oh, yeah, wait a minute wait a minute <laughs> if you've got uh, three toonies, you can get three extra, you know, yeah. tips out of it. I guess. Unless I don't know what I don't know what strip bar in Alberta you're going to where they're all worth five. Yeah, oh, keep that's... Around, there's there's some that are worth five. They're not all Just worth. Not five. all worth five. Yeah. Anyway, so I'd have it to like depends on what they're doing too. Yeah, I guess we can. Yeah, yeah they're <laughs> not doing it here going. in Alberta. Not that I would know. I wouldn't know what <laughs> hey, that means. At least here we get naked strippers. Down there, it's usually topless bars. No. Um, depends where you are. Yeah, I'm not the expert, but I think it depends on the liquor license and certain mm. things. Like certain places where you can, dr- you know, drink freely, they don't let the girls do X and Y. But um, I don't know. Here I'll have, you to, can do it, I'll have yeah. to go and report back to you. I was yeah, in, I was in, I was in Vegas. If you in Vegas, and if you pay extra for the private room, yeah, there's. Yeah, but here they're just on stage naked, right? Like, I mean, you don't need special licenses. They just like yeah. take it all off. Yeah, but you can't. They're no. They don't come anywhere near you. Well, you can pay for that. I've uh, been to male strippers where they've been full frontal nudity. Those weren't even strippers, Jen. They were. <laughs> they were clothed and then they weren't. <laughs> no, David, it was my birthday. I had a bunch of shooters and then this guy took me into the room where three of them were naked and they touched me. Yeah, no, real strippers. They would like dance yeah. around and, you know, like, and then go full frontal. It was quite the show. Is it? I somehow don't think it would be fun seeing guys. It wasn't at all. Yeah. Like there's like a couple guys that it would be fun. Yeah. It's like I want a little to my imagination, you know, like not a lot, but a little. I'd like to do it. I'd like to do it just to see the confused look on the girl's face. Like, oh, gosh, why is he naked? Well, this one guy was like wearing a cock ring. Like, you know, it was just I just didn't need to see it. Like, just keep a G string on there. I'm happier. I mean, do you want to see everything? It either while you're talking about it. I mean, see, this is what happens (laughs) when you start talking. How did we get here? Two dollar bills. They're the devil's money. So do you want to see the full the full package what on a guy on a girl obviously what why are you going there well, of course i do oh okay i'm just saying i don't so i was just cue curious. the cue the awkward silence <laughs> yeah Jen apparently thought i was gonna be like no, no. those are icky <laughs> leave a little i to just the like from the, from the belly button up you know that's all i'm going yeah for. i mean you can like what's down below but do you want to see it like no jen you know you? me i like the freak show <laughs> that's true i want it to look like somebody dropped an arby sandwich Gotcha. <laughs> no, you did you just go there? Yeah, smooth as a baby's bottom. I'm trying to bother Jen. Oh, it's working? You're good. So you were on Wheel of Fortune. Yeah. And everybody had clothes on. Oh, that's disappointing. (laughs) Was Pat Sajak as nice as he appears to be? 
Well, it's interesting. He um, that's not a yes. He was, and I, I won. I won the show, and I guess we finished. A, you know, a little bit early, so they. I stood there at the end of the show while they're rolling the credits and playing the music, and I had Pat on my left and Vanna on my white and on my right. Oh, <laughs> Vanna that's white hilarious. On my right. I, I thought you meant <laughs> yeah. to say that. <laughs> no, I didn't. It would have been. I guess I should have. Yeah, I did mean to say that. But they're standing next to me. We're chit chatting while the credits roll. They make us do that, you know, so they have an image to mm-hmm. do. And so we got into a conversation. And he knew I lived in South Florida. I had just moved back there. Actually, and he's chatting with me about. It. He's thinking about buying a place. I thought he was very nice. It had a great oh, cool. conversation. But as soon as the director yelled "Clear," we're done. Okay, see you later. And he bolted. Yeah, I get that. So he was like, nice until they told him you're done. You don't have to talk to him anymore. Uh, <laughs> and then, then he's he, like, thanks, he says, God. Okay, nice, <laughs> nice to meet you. Congratulations. <laughs> Bye. And he was yeah. gone. As somebody yeah. in of HR, I, yeah, as somebody in HR, I relate to that 100%. <laughs> you're, so you're, you're like Pat Sajak? Yeah, you can be like, oh, nice. And then the work day's done. It's like, hey, fucking leave me alone. <laughs> He's so what well, for what it's worth, yeah. they they tape six shows that day. They usually do five a day. And I was the sixth show. So at this point it's like seven thirty at night. Yeah, I don't blame him. I've just done two days of back to back interviews. Like I'm fucking tired. Yeah. <laughs> like, anyway, so what about Vanna White? Oh, she was wonderful. In oh, fact, right. she came into the green room, which is where they everybody hangs out beforehand. You know, they're gonna they're gonna do six shows that day, so you got eighteen contestants there. I think two backups. There's twenty people in there, oh, wow. uh, contestants for the day, and she pops in like in the morning when we're all getting you know briefed and everything, and she's got no makeup on. She's in her street clothes. She peeks in and goes, "Hi, everybody. Just want to welcome you and wish you luck." And you know, have and I was like wow, this is a celebrity who stops and takes a moment to come in and greet total strangers and wish, and she probably does it every show. I mean, mm-hmm. how many times they do that? So I was impressed by that. Um, and then, you know, she didn't really get a word in at the end of the show when we were talking, Pat and I did all the chatting. Uh, she just stood there and nodded, but um, yeah, I had a <laughs> childhood crush on her. So it's kind of, you know, interesting that she was standing there right how next to me. How long ago were and, you uh, on Wheel of Fortune? 2002. Oh, a so long it's time almost ago. Almost 20 years, just crazy yeah. to wow. think. Yeah. So she still would have been okay then. I mean, she's still okay now. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't yeah. kick her out of bed. Uh, TV, you know, yeah. up and yeah. filter. I don't know. She's yeah. got to be in her 60s or yeah, 70s. I was going right? to say, when she came in and uh, said hello without her makeup on, my first thought would have been, hey, it's Vanna White's grandmother. Oh, God. So how much did you win on Wheel of Fortune? I won $12,850. Wow. Like you didn't even try. Not a penny more. Yeah. It's like you didn't even And try. how do they pay it? Do they give you like- They cut you a check. You got to wait till- um, <laughs> Yeah. Probably. Um, you got to wait until like 90 days after your show airs and then really? you get a check. Why do you have to wait? Yeah. So it took a while. It took a while. But they sent me a check. I took a picture of it. I don't, I know I have it somewhere. I always, people ask me about it. I want to dig it up. I don't remember where I put it. It's probably on an old computer somewhere or up in Dropbox. But I, you know, I took a picture of the check and I have it. And it just, you know, it says, um, Wheel of Fortune Productions at the top. It's got my name. It's just a check. You know, it's yeah. a pink cool. check. It's for made out for twelve grand. And wow. so, what did you and do? People with- always say, "How much taxes did you pay?" Yeah. And I didn't really pay a whole lot because I didn't make a lot of money that year. I moved from <laughs> California to Florida. Fantastic. That's so perfect. It's just yeah. it's reported as income. Yeah, it's yeah. income. And there wasn't a lot of income that year, so it didn't amount to enough that I was paying like you know thirty three percent of it. Oh, I that's just, good. You know, I think right. I owed four hundred bucks that year. So, what'd you buy with your pink check? I paid some credit card debts. Down. I was say, it, sounded, it sounded like he bought food, a new pair of shoes. I was like late twenties. I had like you know a six thousand dollar credit card. You know that was you know twenty percent interest. So I basically eliminated gotcha. that. Well, you know there okay, you go. Well, there you go. That's my time on Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> I think. Really- uh, I think. So I think you and I are probably with the same age, John. Oh, so really old. Go ahead. You spill yours, and I'll go. I am forty nine. Forty nine. As a tad over. Oh, yeah, it's all the same when you get up to our age. <laughs> Doesn't matter, right? But yeah. So so a couple of things about game shows. Do you remember when Vanna White's Playboy came out? 
Um, I don't remember when it came out, but I remember finding it oh, after yeah. I grew up a little bit. God, that was a... <laughs> was that hot for yeah. you? Well, she wasn't really nude in it, was she? Like kind of. She was but, only topless. Yeah, she was kind of nude, but still, it was it was a magical moment for a man my age. Gotcha. The other thing is, growing up in Canada, when when somebody my age grew up, Jen's a little younger than me, significantly. Yeah, not that significant. <laughs> Um, growing up in Canada, we had three or maybe four American channels, uh, where I lived. We had CBS, ABC, NBC, and PBS. So we yep. would see all your fantastic game shows. And then we had at the time two where I grew up, Canadian channels, CTV and CBC. C. <laughs> and we would watch Canadian game shows on that. And do you remember definition? Were you ever old enough for no. definition? No. Nothing humiliated no, us. Oh, there's no way you would have seen it, but... Because there's no way they were playing definition in the United States. There was nothing more humiliating or put Canadians in their place than the difference in our game shows. Price is Right, for example, would always give away a new car every mm-hmm. show, you know. Try to. Yeah. Wheel of Fortune was giving away all these great big things and stuff like that. And literally on definition, it would be like, all right, we're playing for a toaster. And I'm not even kidding. <laughs> it's still like and that. And people were yeah. excited about it, right? Yeah. People people were very into it. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the game, Canadian game show was kind of hard. Right. How did you? Well, what was the uh, game play? Were you trying to guess a word or trying to answer questions? Oh, I I, I hate to say it. There's no way I could remember. <laughs> oh, it's definition. So it probably had something to do with maybe they're giving yeah. you an awkward I definition. I remember the, the, to- the greatest thing that ever happened to definition was when Austin Powers came out. The Austin Powers theme. The like 60s music that they would play. It was actually the definition theme. Oh. So I think most people no who way. saw Austin Powers had no idea. Every Canadian who saw that was like, hey. Every older Canadian because yeah. I had no idea. Oh, yeah. I got to look that up yeah. on YouTube. That's interesting. <laughs> you know, I'm a game show fan. I was also on a show called Scrabble. Yeah, so explain Scrabble. Scrabble was a game show with Chuck Woolery. Um, it is... How do I describe it? There were you're basically guessing words, but they put them on a Scrabble board. So I mean, it really didn't have to be Scrabble. It could have just been called Word Clues, <laughs> but they put it on a Scrabble board, and the and you know the best of five would win. And so they had the words connected like they were on a Scrabble board. And if a word touched a pink or blue square, it was worth extra money towards the bonus game, and so on and so That's forth. That's where but, Scrabble comes in, yeah. Yeah, so they they did base it on Scrabble to a degree, but you would basically pick tiles, or they would give you a clue. And let me think of one of the um, clues. They gave me. They would all be homonyms. Like um, here's one. They're current events. Okay, so current events. And I knew enough from being on the show to know that the word current probably wasn't current like present. It was like current, like ocean current. So when you hear the word current events, the answer to the question was undertow. So it's they played off the homonyms. So anyway, so they would ask one undertow. I would have said wave, and then it would have got stuck on it. Well, you would have seen that there were eight letters. Yeah, it wouldn't help. I would have. I would have like maybe it's. I would have like tried to come up with variations of wave or stuff. But that was the the idea of the game was that you had to guess the words and they gave you these homonym clues and you would pick tiles, you know, the Scrabble tiles that represented a letter. And you'd say, I'd take number eight and number six. And then you dropped them into a box, which they just basically fell into a cardboard box below you. (laughs) But you had to say, yeah, but on the show, you say you have to say number eight, number six, because it's an audio cue for the person in to to put up the the eight represents the T. And so when you said number eight, they would pop the T on the board and then Number six, S, and you would choose a letter and then it would either drop into the uh, answer or if it wasn't there, it was called a stopper and it would go over to the other person. I don't know if I'm giving too much detail, but the point <laughs> is um, I won. That was a show where you got to come back if you were the champ. So oh, Wheel cool. of Fortune was w- one and done. So I did the show. I lost the bonus game and I'm done. But Scrabble, I did.
did, uh, I won three shows. Oh. So I did a total of four shows. I lost on the fourth show and they oh, record cool. them all in one day. So you bring changes of clothes to the set and uh, I, w- I won and then they rush you back and they take make you take all your clothes off and put another sting on. They re-mic you. Like the all your clothes? Doing- <laughs> even um, No, unless you want to. I, I mean, don't even change all my clothes in a week. Yes, you do. If you do. soiled yourself, then maybe you, you, know, you can <laughs> change that. But I didn't, so I was okay. So I had to bring five different outfits, and I change into a new outfit, and they mic you, and they send you back out, and they record the next show. So when my parents watched the show you know, weeks later, you know, for them, they had to wait another day to see each show. But for me, the, the whole thing took two and a half hours. You know, I did three, sh- four shows. And I won uh, almost 10 grand on that oh, show wow. over four days. So that was fun. That was a lot of fun. So do, why, you, do you why, still want to do any more game yeah, shows? Why'd you hang up your hat after those two? Well, there is, first of all, I moved back to Florida, so it was harder. You know, in fact, the day that I went on Wheel of Fortune, I moved to Florida the next day. I held out, you know, I held out for, <laughs> for a while. Uh, that's another whole story that we were supposed to move earlier. And then they, I got my date and I said, like, I don't want to have to fly back in to do Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> so we're going to stick around a few extra days, stay at my sister-in-law's house and, you know, go to Wheel of Fortune. And then the next day we got in the car and left. So A, I wasn't in California anymore. B, I'm a word guy and I need to go on a word show. I would never win Jeopardy or mm-hmm. Prices or anything like that. I'd make a fool of myself, but I can... You give me a couple of letters and I'll fill in a word. Uh, I'm a writer, you know. <laughs> we'll get to that. Soon. So I know words, and um, I just, I, you know, I'm happy with what I've done on game shows. I don't need to do it again. I mean, show me the right show, and maybe I would. But right now, I'm content. We should come up with some kind of podcast game show. Okay, John, you're the word guy. You work on that. <laughs> I'll host. Well, I gotta be a ho- I gotta be a co-host. Co-host. In fact, I know we're gonna get to my book, but the yeah. main character. Had you read it? Had you found? No, my I book got I got it Groupon? started. Yeah. yeah why the okay, so you know that the host is a game show host. I mean, the, the protagonist is a game show host. Is my point, and I wrote that because then I can have fun. You know, and it's all satire, but I was able to have fun with the game show world and putting him on a show and creating this silly show that he's the host of, and oh that God, was you my could way. Be of- Mo River Lake. I I you, have a you, Twitter account for him. Yeah, and I you could bring that to life in in the on a podcast game show as you redeem yourself. <laughs> That's a good idea, actually. Come back as Mo Riverlake and do a show as Mo. Oh yeah, just say this is what I'm at now. I'm, I have to do it as a podcast, but oh yeah, now you got me thinking. I, I want to do an <laughs> audiobook version, but I have to. Ca- I can't do the read. I have to find somebody who because it's written in the first person. For those of you listening, uh, it's written in the first person from this guy Mo Riverlake's perspective. Uh, so if I ever did an audiobook, I have to have somebody who is him basically mm. what do you think he sounds like me. you know i'd have to hear some auditions to know i don't think i would know till i hear it to be does he sound like you. david I, I, no i'm not a, i'm not really a game show host guy mm. it'd have to be younger and more you, dynamic and it might have to be like uh like me with a shotgun mic remember the way i sounded when mm. we used a shotgun mic where you got that voice of god <laughs> well, that's I mean, awesome yeah there are some game show hosts that have squeak not that you have a squeaky voice but there are some <laughs> game shows that don't have the best i mean that don't have the most game showy voices i mean they've mm-hmm. gotten by i mean just, sure. just, just look for somebody who has the Chuck Woolery because Chuck Woolery also did. Uh, what was his big thing he did besides Scrabble? Love he did a connection. Bunch of things. Love connection. That's it. Yeah. Oh. And now he's a big right wing. Uh, oh, I don't want to use any adjectives, but he's he he has a talk show. He's on the far right politically, and he. No, you have to use the adjective because we don't <laughs> we don't know what adjective you were going to use. Yeah, is this a good I'm thing? not. T- well, I don't want to take political sides here, so okay. it is not a political show. I'm not going to you know either praise or bash him for his political views because then we're going political. So we're just going to move on and say that he does a political <laughs> podcast. Chuck Woolery's political now, right? And uh, yeah, oh yeah, totally, totally. Oh my and they, I don't. I'm not a fan of uh, what he says, but I'm I'm not going to say what's <laughs> that's all. That's, I'm not so going to go a, there. But he's a little too right wing for you, I guess. A little bit too. Yeah. So I am going there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Huh. There. You who's go. the guy? Who's the guy whose name I keep forgetting? 
Wango Tango. What the hell is his name? The singer. You mean a band? No, he's <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a, he's like a super far right. He has a song called Wango Tango. He's really popular. The fact that I I've my whole life I can never remember his name because I had a buddy who called him Wango Tango once, and now I keep That's thinking it. of it. <laughs> anyway. you, you know him. He's super big. He's Polly had, can come in here with a name. What's your point? Yeah, I'm remaining silent. I don't know the yeah. answer. Yeah, uh, well, he got he was he's been a COVID denier for years. Oh yes, and uh, he has COVID now. Yeah, and I, I just I just eat that up. I love. That. Oh, I know, I love that too. Don't you? It's like just dessert. You don't want to see anybody get it, but um, no, the people some who people I wouldn't it. mind. Yeah, my favorite part about it is uh, uh, he calls it the China thing. <laughs> he won't even say he's got COVID nineteen. Got the coronavirus. China thing. I've got that China thing, and I can't even get out of bed now. Can we cancel him? Was he cancelable? Cancelable. Just, I was going to ask something about the. Well, that's cancel culture. That's back to the book. But yeah. Go ahead, finish your thought. What was the more? Uh, this is what happens: is we get off topic, and no, we get, you like, get off I have topic. to back it up. <laughs> we were talking about doing a podcast, game show podcast, Mo game River show Lake with Mo River Lake as the host. What his name would sound like? I forgot it. Oh well, I think that's a good idea though, because you could find tons of people. You just go and pod it or something like that. You could find tons of people to be on your game show. Oh, for sure. A game show podcast? That'd yeah. Well, awesome. I'm doing a podcast, which I'm probably going to record next month. I'm, I am starting one. And it is, it, it, because it's me, it has game show vibes, although it's not really a game show. It's called Who's Funnier? Mm. Oh, that's two, awesome. Yeah, there's two comedians on there. And through a series of events, I don't know if you've ever seen Whose Line Is It Anyway? Oh, of course. Um, We're Canadian, yeah. man. Yeah. Those are all Canadian. I know that's true. You're right, right. Mostly well, Canadian. A, Why do I think a series they're all Canadians? Of, they're None not. Wayne Brady's not Canadian. Oh, Colin, whatever his name is, he's Canadian. Yeah, he's Colin yeah. 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 But through a series of the things that we talk about and do some funny prompts and, you know, we're just going to determine who's funnier. Now- it's going to be up to me to decide and I'm not the be all end all. So it's very, the, the competition aspect is very light. I don't want it to be like people are getting upset that they didn't win the show, but um, I'm trying to find comedians who have something in common. It's not just Joe from Virginia against Mary from New York. It's hmm. two comedians who are either co-hosts, like I would have you and Jen, for example, if you both oh, thought you were comedians. No, but if you thought you were comedians or if, then I would say, let's see who, you're this more offensive. something in common. You're not funnier. Do they have to be comedians? <laughs> no, but I mean, shouldn't they be? I mean, this we can i'm still developing it so no you could have like you could have like two tiktokers right you funny could have tiktokers yeah, yeah you could have two porn stars like you could have yeah. two anything who's funnier because you can find funny people i think comedians one thing i'll just say every other podcast i have to rip on comedian podcasts <laughs> I, because obviously most of the podcasts out there are comedians yeah. and i i think a lot of people got pulled into podcasts because of them but how many times can we hear about interesting stories and anecdotes from the comedy store i think people want to hear people who aren't comedians right mm-hmm. like definitely you need some because they're funny and there's stuff like that but i think if you could find the two funniest bus drivers or the two funniest <laughs> yeah well that's that's a great point i have to be able to find them though i don't know how you yeah. find that unless you know them or know people but yeah um yeah like if you had two uncles who are hysterical and you had them on oh, the yeah. show yeah but i mean the, the thing is there are it, i think the way I have it structured now is that phase one would just be a conversation like the three of us are having, uh, bring up a couple of topics and just talk. And the idea is that in the back of their minds, the people are just trying to either throw out some witticisms or say something snarky or sarcastic and just be funny. And through the, you know, and it's like awarding points for every time someone makes me laugh or giggle or crack up. And, you know, it total up the points. And then there's another segment where I would give them some funny prompts I've written dozens of them and they would have to answer the prompts in advance of the show and see which one's funnier. So I don't know if they need to have a comedic background or an understanding of comedy or if we just say, come on the show and we'll just have a few laughs and I'll and we'll vote on who this, I think This puts you on the spot, but can we have one prompt? Can we do one with me and Jen? Well, I, as there's one I use as an example all the time, which is just like worst name for a racehorse. Jen, do you want to go first or do you want me to? You go first. 
worse. Okay, so you're looking at the racing card for the day, and there's a horse's name on there. You know he's not going to win, and you're never going to bet on him. What's the should be glue? Should <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, Jen, you're up. Oh, uh, low blow. What? Low, that didn't make low. sense. Low blow. Yeah, that's not very funny. Well, yeah. okay, thank you. Yeah, well, I would... <laughs> no, don't thank him. It was a crit. David wins. <laughs> D- David yeah. picks up three points. I am the champion. <laughs> I got in fact, David. I have. I wrote a bunch for myself just because I was playing along, and one of them was called uh, "Next Stop Glue Factory." That was the name of a horse, <laughs> you know. And then other ones like um, "Wasted Wager," "Beans for Breakfast," <laughs> maybe, maybe next time. Mr. Ed's drunk nephew <laughs> coming up lame, you know, and there my little pony would be some of my. Hey, Janet, you didn't think of any of these. I didn't. I didn't know. But that would be the idea is that you give them these prompts and then hopefully because they have comedic skill. Jen's um, answer was identifies as turtle. <laughs> okay. Well, no, that's funny. Yeah. yeah there you go. Good there job, Jen. Yeah. You did all right. Cool. But that's kind of what I'm working. That's the net. You talk about my, all these projects that I do going from documentaries about $2 bills to game shows to books. But that's the next thing up is a podcast. And so I'm trying to make it funny all the time for the audience. And the best way to bring out the funny is to have people quote unquote competing, you know, like in yeah. sports. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And sports competition supposedly brings out the best. So if you have two people on and their mission is to be crowned the funniest one of the two, you would hope they bring their A game a lot more than if you're just having a conversation with one comedian talking oh, yeah. about mm-hmm. stories especially from the comedy. If give it, especially if it, will you give them the questions ahead of time or will it just be? Well, the bang, prompts I would. The, pr- the prompts I would give them. But oh, I mean, okay. I don't even know if maybe I shouldn't. You know, maybe they need time to think about it. Like if they had time to, you know, give them 24 I hours. I mean, if they've got real comedic skills, they shouldn't need time to think about it. Mm. Well, yeah, but you could maybe idea. get funnier stuff if you do. Hmm. Here's an idea, though. I just thought of something. You guys are inspiring me. They get maybe five or six pre- and then they get another three or four yeah. on the spot. And so there's maybe the, the one the spot's worth more points than yeah. – So we're going to have like so. a fictional oh, yeah. point total going. I like that idea. This is what I'm still developing. Yeah. I haven't recorded yet. This is going to be fantastic. I'm already <laughs> excited about it. Yeah. Well, I know I what I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you something because you, you touched on it and uh, that's what I forgot about. So you wrote the book in first person. How hard was that? Because when I first started to read it, that's one thing that jumps out at you. It's un- it's unusual to read a book in first person. Why did you do it and was it tough? Because I wanted to be able to say what the character was thinking. He's kind of an idiot, the guy. I don't know if you figured that <laughs> out. And so some of his inner thoughts and some of his commentary on things allowed for a lot more uh, humor opportunities. Whereas if you have somebody else describing it, it wouldn't have worked to say he thought this. It's just easier for the guy to say, oh, hey, you know, uh, the judge called me. He judged said he's lacking naivete. I didn't realize he knew pig Latin. So there's like a joke there. Again, I didn't tell it as well, but you know, you can't do that with a narrator because you can't say that he thought naivete was pig Latin. It doesn't really mm-hmm. work to tell a joke. But it's nice for the guy to just come out and say, wow, and I'm impressed that he actually knew pig Latin. And then you, you're reading it and you go, wait a second, that's not pig Latin. This guy's an idiot. So the point is to be able to get into his inner thoughts and have him be who he is, I, I just think open the door for a lot more humor. So was it easier for to write that way or was it harder for you to write that way? I think it was easier because I didn't, you know, it's not a book where I'm painting a picture of what the room looks like. You know, like mm-hmm. some authors want the moldy ceiling dripped as if it, you know, and they use all these metaphors and the table creaked. I just kind of didn't have to do a lot of that. I mean, there is some obviously to paint a little bit of a picture, but he just, he's telling you what happens. He's telling you his thoughts. He's telling you what he says and what someone else says and did. And then he can digress. There's some sections where he goes back and talks about what happened in his past and he can, I can tell the story 
story from his perspective, like the way he remembers it, which again, is opens up the door for it to be funnier. I, I just thought it was, I never even gave it much thought. I, I wrote it as if I was telling them. I, I become the character and I just, I told the story my way and it came out in the first person. Cool. Will you write your next book that way? Uh, no, I actually just started it and I did not write it that way. And I think it's going to be, I think the story itself um, doesn't work. I just know, and having thought about the idea, it's not going to work as first person. Um, cool. It has to be an outsider explaining this guy. It's not a first person experience. And how long do you think it takes you to write the next book now? I don't know because I'm simultaneously, you know, I do, I run my own business. I mentioned that earlier. So like today I spent most of the day working on a client project, doing some video editing. So that takes me away from the writing. I got to get paid, you know, I got to do the work and I'm writing a few short pieces, um, trying to build up my author following and, and even just my skill set by staying in practice with short form. So short humor articles, thousand words. There's several websites that take submissions. And if I can get more content up there, people can see it more, maybe it attracts them to me and makes them want to read the book. So it's all part of just a strategy, A, to build a little more of a following, people that want to read my writing in this kind of humor, and also to stay sharp. So the balance moving forward for me is how much time do you spend working on the book and how much time do you spend working on these short pieces? Because if I only work on the book, then no one will read anything from me for another year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I can once a week, twice a week, put up something funny online, if I do develop a following, there's content churning out and then a book comes out. So yeah, that's cool. Makes sense. I'm just trying to do what makes, you know, I, I ultimately I do what makes me happy and what I feel like writing. And if I don't feel like writing something I'm not going to be able to finish for a year, I'll just go write to whatever stupid thing comes to my head. And that's what I'll write today. And then I'll, I'll post it. And that's the beauty of writing. It could be a page long or 250 pages. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's, you know, with both with writing and with humor, a lot of it is just got to put stuff out there, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, I think everybody will say you you don't hit a home run every time. Yeah, you just got to keep putting it out there. All right. Cancel culture. We should, before also, we run out right, of time. Well, that's, that's along the lines of the book. Yeah, sure. <laughs> the uh, segue. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a, I got a segue because... Uh, we're going to run out of time. We always run out of time. And we always. Ne- every friggin' podcast, we get to the end and we're like, sorry, we didn't talk about the thing we were supposed to talk about. <laughs> exactly. Nobody even knows I'm an author at this point. They're like, that guy with $2 bills who was on Wheel of Fortune. Oh, yeah, yeah. About? What, what, what book is this? I'm not going to. Yeah, exactly. Watch it. Watch it. Before we talk about cancel culture, that's a good point. So you're, you do, you said video editing and things like that. Now you do video production. Yeah. So, and it's funny because there's probably lots of people out there who are working other jobs. Like we have one guy here where we work. Uh, he would love to get into video production, but he's working a front desk job while he's trying to learn how to do that. So it's interesting. So you're, it's, it's almost like everybody has a grind and a lot of people have like uh, something that they want to do otherwise. Yeah. And you know, I did the movie when I was, I, I taught at a university for about 13 years. I was teaching film and editing, teaching, you know, practicing what I preach and preaching what I practice. But, and the good thing about being a college professor is A, you have summers off and B, you really work in even full time, you're working 20 hours a week, you're in class. I mean, if you're grading papers, I'm not grading papers, I'm grading films. <laughs> we usually screen them in class so that the class can comment <laughs> on them. So you can basically grade it, right? You don't have to go, Not a, I learned how to not bring work home. Um, and I shot my my movie, you know, in between working there, use some of the equipment, <laughs> took advantage of some of the equipment and resources at the university to make the film. And eventually I left that. And so now I, you know, do everything. For, I was running my business on the side and then I, you know, I'd go make more money on a shoot for one day than I'd make in a week teaching. And eventually I burned out on teaching. I don't want to do it anymore. And, and I now do my own thing. So I'm trying to buy myself more creative time to pursue creative projects, but I also have to pay the bills. So um, I do video. I mean, that's what I'm good at and writing and editing video. And I'm also trying to sit at my desk. And, and write more humorous content. You know, and I'm at that age, you know, you're with, right there with me where you start trying to figure out exactly who you are and what you're doing and what I, you know, what I am. Yeah. 
Yeah. You asked me at the beginning of the interview, like, tell me about yourself when I describe my childhood. That's who I am. I'm that kid that wrote and created funny stuff. That's what I did when I was innocent and just did what came naturally to me. And you grow up and you get away from that. You get jobs and you move away from it. And it's the serious part of the show now. But <laughs> I found myself, I guess, is a way to describe it. And this is who I am. I write funny stuff. I, I make up goofy shit and I I put it somewhere. And I need to get back to that and do more of it. And so that's kind of what I'm hope to do every day when I wake up. Cool. Have you gotten to the age yet where you start thinking about your legacy? Because I do really. that sometimes. I, I do that sometimes because you like you work your job and you do what you need to do to earn money and you raise a family and stuff like that. And then you get to a point where you're like, oh, I think that is kind of where you're getting to. You're like, I want to start doing what I want to be known for. Right. And you see people, lucky people who get to do that in their 20s or 30s or stuff like that. But I think the rest of us, life tends to be a bit of a grind. And I think a lot of us get to a point, and that's why where the podcast kind of came from and a few other things, where you start doing things like, I want to be more than just, you know, like you wanted to be more than just a college professor, right? You want to oh, be more yeah, than yeah, just, a just a guy who does video. A, I like teaching. So that was a job I enjoyed for, for a while, but it wasn't after 10 years. I was like, I don't know if I want to be doing this. So they were giving awards out to the end of the year, like the 35 year award. You know, you get like steak knives or whatever. They give you like, and I'm like, I don't. There's somebody got like a 35 year award, and I said, I don't want to be that guy because that guy was like 70. I'm like, I don't want to be 70 years old. Look back and go, all I've done for you know 40 years is teach. Not that that would be so bad, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's me, what I mean by your legacy, right? Like, you, yeah, it's not what I want. You, you want to get to an age. You want to say if people look back, and I just saw a guy who retired, and he uh, or we know we, Jen and I know somebody who's getting ready to retire too, and I want to be like, I want to get to the end of the road and be like. <laughs> Yeah, he he did a really good job of this hotel. somewhat mundane. Yeah, we yeah. work in a hotel, this hotel job for 40 years, right? Woo. Yeah. Spending his free time at strip clubs with $2 yeah. bills. Yeah. Well, and why does your legacy- Whoa, I'm a hotel guy. I can't afford <laughs> to spend my free time at strip clubs with $2 bills. And why does your legacy have to be your job? No, that's what we're talking about. It's yeah, not. it doesn't have to be. It shouldn't It shouldn't be. I don't think about that. I just start to realize that, you know, you got to do what you... I, I had a period of time where I woke up and I wasn't excited about anything. And uh, that's not... I mean, I'm never depressed. I don't use that word. I don't like that word. I don't consider myself ever depressed. But I mean, I guess you could say if you looked at it as an outsider that that's depressing. Um, just to wake up and have no zest. You get dressed. You go teach a class. You go teach the same thing you taught each of the last ten years. Different kids. You know, recycling the material. Um, you know, I'd rather wake up and be excited about the next ten pages I'm going to write today, or the scene that oh, I'm yeah, at, 100%, or this yeah, funny yeah. idea that, or, or going to shoot a video for. You know, I've shot funny videos before. If I'm going to go out and shoot something and edit it. Let it be something wildly stupid. <laughs> Oh, you know, yeah, yeah, for sure. Put it up on YouTube and see what happens. Um, for sure. It's just, and the, the whole comedy podcast I'm talking about, the whole reason I want to do that is just, you know, surround me with two comedians and, and what we're doing right now. We're not Or all, two really funny gynecologists. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But let me spend an hour with two people and just laugh. For yeah, yeah, for sure. Totally. And then let the people who listen to it laugh for an hour. I mean, isn't that like a win-win for everybody? <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. So how do you wake up every day and find laughter? That's my new thing. Yeah. And for me, it's writing something. And oh, then- that's a good thing. That's that a good thing. thing. Yeah. Because when you're laughing, everything kind of goes away. You know, I've had some surgeries. I've had some medical things. And I always try to find a way to find the humor in it because it just makes it easier. Oh, yeah. That's a good outlook. That's a great outlook. So the book. So what made you start writing about council culture? Jen, we talked about that where you were going. No, you didn't. Where would she? Okay. Did she go somewhere? I yeah, she went to the bathroom. Oh, she, well, who would knew, right? She's okay, a, she's a female. Yeah. You put a couple <laughs> drinks into her and she's like, I got to go to the bathroom. I got to go. 
Oh, uh, that's true. Yeah, that's why I'm not drinking because I'd be taking a pause every 15 <laughs> minutes here myself. Thank you. <laughs> Hit the pause button. Uh, what made me come up with the idea? Um, I think what made me come up with the idea is that there's a typo in the book. The name of the book is Just a Typo. And it's a mm-hmm. tweeted typo that the main character has that starts all the trouble. And I think what started the book was that I had this idea of like, what would happen if someone went to write this and wrote this instead? And it evolved from there. I, I, I always anticipate someone asking me that question and I try to think of the answer. Um, <laughs> but it comes from my original thought after I did the $2 bill documentary was I'm going to do another documentary and this one's going to be quote unquote fake one. Not a mockumentary, but a fake documentary where we tell a funny, phony story. And people always say the funniest things that happen or things that came that were true. So I started coming up with all the things in my life that were hysterical. And I said, let me try to weave these into a plot as if the main character's backstory is some of the childhood stories that I would tell that are funny. And meanwhile, I had this tweet that I thought of, this typo, and it all kind of came together. So why don't I weave the typo into the story? And then this kid, when he was younger, got in trouble doing some things that we got in trouble for. And the tweet, you know, when he does this, we look back on how he's done all these things wrong as a kid. And these are the things I did wrong as a kid. So the long answer to the question is, it was a combination of wanting to get some personal stories into the book and also... Mm -hmm. I do have an opinion on cancel culture. This book is my satirical take on how offended we are as a society, how mm-hmm. almost how sad it is that someone does something wrong, even if it's an innocent, honest mistake, like a typo. And people come down on him and cancel him and his whole life turns to crap because everything he's ever done in his life is brought out from the past and is scrutinized as now suddenly being a racist or homophobic thing. Can I go on a little bit of a rant, maybe? Just because I have a lot of thoughts around cancel culture. And I'm sure yeah, go ahead. I'll, I'll did my rant. Now you do yours. I'm a millennial, so I probably yeah. have a slightly different view. Yeah. But. <laughs> well, you, but okay. Well, that's a good question because yeah. what, don't give your rant yet, but yeah. your rant is probably. I don't know that it'll be a lot different, but. Well, what's yours? Oh, well, you said don't give my rant yet. No, but but is your, but oh. because I think yours is going to be, if you're a millennial, you're going to give <laughs> the reasons because. I would just say, I think that cancel culture, it's not a millennial thing. It's a Gen Z thing. Uh, as they get more and more active on social media and they I mean, influence millennials yeah. and they influence and they say things, they've gotten a good- uh, It didn't start with Gen Z though. Oh, it didn't. Yeah, it right? didn't. So, but, well, ostracizing has been- See, I, I took the word first because we- well, There you go. Yeah, yeah, That's we, great even word. Like, yeah, yeah. It's well, a, we, we, both, we both looked at the Wikipedia definition and it said, <laughs> it said cancel culture is ostracized. You can't even say Ostracization. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and that's been around for a long time. But I, I, here's the thing with me. So we have a podcast mm-hmm. and we basically get drunk. Uh, not drunk, loose, mm-hmm. but sometimes like, drunk, but yeah. But we're at that point now where we're at like 50 some minutes and I've been drinking for an hour. So I start to feel like I start to turn into like loose David. And if you listen to our podcast, you'll hear that it gets loose as it goes on. And the funnier parts are sometimes at the very end. Mm-hmm. So we put this podcast out and I'm usually really proud of them and I edit them and I send it out. I'm like, oh, this is fantastic. And then becomes the paranoia about the things that I said and how it might reflect on my professional life. Mm-hmm. Right. And in fact, we, a little while ago, we went back and sort of scrubbed some of our podcasts and removed some of the references we had to who we are. And I'm the only person, you know, Jen doesn't use a real name. I use my real name because I have to. Um, but we have most of our guests don't, mm-hmm. right? They 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 want that anonymity. They, yeah, they, yeah. They say, I'll come on. I'll have a few drinks. I'll, we'll, we'll have this conversation, but I don't want anybody knowing who I am. 
Really? I, That's interesting. Cause mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, yeah. I would not, I mean, I'm, I love just doing it, but I'm not, I'm mean, here promoting a book. Yes. But I also just love coming on doing shows like this and having fun conversations, but I'm going to give my real name because I've got things that are tied to my name. For oh, hundred sure. percent. Yeah. yeah. And, and the guest we released this week, we, it wasn't inappropriate at all. Mm-hmm. Right. And he was an interesting guy and he used yeah. his full name and stuff like that. But it is interesting how so many people will say, I'll come on your podcast, but you can't use my name. Yeah. Right. And they, and, and a lot of it is because there's this whole, whole idea. And I think cancel culture itself, when you look at some of the people who've been canceled, because if, if you were going to name somebody, Jen, who's been canceled, who would it be? Well, I mean, I could name lots, but I guess Chris Harrison would be the most recent. But who the fuck is Chris exactly. Harrison? He was self, wait, wait a minute. He was self-canceled. He took himself off the show. I mean, well, he might have had, had some no, pressure. He had no, show, he had no choice, right? But so, who was it? Some, uh, this is uh, the Bachelor thing? Yeah, Bachelor thing. But I mean, you would. some people would say Dr. Seuss was canceled, although uh, Dr. Seuss took themselves out. Like they were- right. They weren't canceled. Dr. Zeus is a really good example where something happened and people said, okay, this is cancel culture because they love to jump on it. Yeah, but Dr. Seuss. But they did it to themselves. Yeah. We're not going to make these books anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't that uh, any millennial or Gen Z or anyone said, oh, this is inappropriate. We're going to cancel you. It was them saying, hey, we recognize that this isn't great. We're going to pull these out of production. Right. But it became this whole media about cancel culture when it really wasn't actually cancel culture. Yeah. I I think that one of the things that will happen is a a lot of people who are young now or who are, okay, Jen, you can't breathe the heavy sorry, the mic when sorry. I'm talking. <laughs> the, it's one thing when the guest is talking and I can get rid of it, but the I, I turn Jen on. I mean, she's, oh, she says I don't, but I mean- You I'll, absolutely you dry up. I start talking- You dry and, me up. Yeah. I start talking anything. and she's all like- <sighs> I'm just bummed I can't see what she looks like. I have no video. I know everybody's bummed over that. She, Jen was the one that insisted, insisted if we do remote that we have so to be able true. to see the guest. Yeah. And then I set it up and she's like, no, I don't want them to see me. So the uh, so, so anyway, people get so excited about this whole idea of cancel culture and people get so worked up about it. I don't I don't 100% understand what the goal is. Right. Like we're not we're not there's no social justice win where where we say that we make people afraid to speak their mind or we make people afraid to be humorous. Right. Well, okay, no, <laughs> I, I, I have a, I think people have a sense of entitlement. We as a culture have a sense of entitlement. And we feel nowadays, as opposed to 20, 30 years ago, where somebody says something that isn't exactly the way we believe it to be or we want it to be, that we can get offended. I mean, the, the thing that's lacking in society is the ability to understand that people come from different places with different opinions and different experiences. And if they voice an opinion, it's their opinion. It's not fact. And if you don't agree yeah. with it, that's not a reason to cancel them. It's just their different opinion. So, you know, and, and in my book, I kind of take that to the next level where anything the guy does is offensive because I'm really exaggerating. You know, humor is exaggeration. Uh, so say something innocent and have someone take it the wrong way and blow it out of proportion so that everybody hates the guy even more than they already do. That's my way of showing here's how we act as a culture that we, there's no reason to cancel this guy at all. The guy in my book does nothing wrong. <laughs> he gets, he's, everybody hates him. Somebody on Facebook, on my Facebook, just this past week, posted a picture of a, I don't know, a cup or something. And it said, drunk wives matter on it. And I looked at it and I was like, that's that's kind of funny, I guess. And But the the posting was like a tirade. Like, is this supposed to be funny? And then they just <laughs> they just go off. And they said, how can people think this is funny? So I responded. I said, I said, hey, I'm glad you asked this because we don't talk about this enough. And I said, you know, humor at its essence is 
what we call safe incongruity. And this is actually like you could look it up. This is what humor and funniness is. And I hate to make humor boring, but when your brain finds something that's incongruous, in other words, it's not the way it expected things to be, it creates tension inside your brain, right? I, I always confuse, um, I can't think of I've been drinking, <laughs> sympathetic and parasympathetic. I always get them mixed up, but it, but it, it kicks you, it starts to kick you into the fight or flight because when your brain sees something that doesn't make sense, we have this ancient wiring that says, okay, get ready because something bad's about to happen. And then when you see it safe, now your brain is like, oh, no, no, we don't need to worry about that. Uh, it's just, it's not really a threat, but your brain has started to um, build up tension. So it needs to release the tension. So it releases the tension and you experience it as humor and you'll laugh, right? And that's, that is what, there's an explanation for that's what humor is. So I said, you know, there is a brand of humor called offensive humor. Mm-hmm. And this is where my rant was going to be. My favorite type of humor is offensive humor. And Jen doesn't remember. And Jen, hears this guy and she hates him. But you remember Andrew Dice Clay? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Andrew oh, yeah. Dice Clay was a huge first guy to sell out Carnegie Hall, maybe two nights in a row and stuff like that. He was a huge comedian at the, at the end of the 80s. And he, although I hate to talk about uh, comedy in our podcast, but his big thing was offensive humor. And the joke wasn't how offensive he was being. The joke was a caricature or a parody of offensive people. And then the people who laughed at the offensiveness and thought it was funny became part of the joke. And it was sort of this grand thing where this whole thing was built up and you laughed at the offensiveness of it, right? And I think that's one of the worst things about cancel culture right now is you don't have the freedom to choose what you want to find funny. Drunk wives matter. There's people who will find that funny. Right. And it is. There's there's white people. There's middle class Canadians. There's all these other people who aren't woke who think, yeah, that's a pretty cute play on words. And it doesn't mean you're a bad person for liking it. It doesn't oh, 100%. mean you, it doesn't mean you're against, you know, or you're not, you're not racist for liking it or anything like that. It's it's, it's nothing. There's nothing to liking. Yeah. It's just thinking it's a funny play on words. You just boil yeah. it down and, to its essence. And making a cup that you would carry around while you're out for a walk that you would fill with wine and drink. There's nothing political about that, right? There's nothing. Those people don't even know, right? It's just a fun little thing. But it was interesting that there was somebody on Facebook. So this is the interesting thing. So I posted this whole explanation. I said, this is what's why you find it offensive. And this is what offensive humor is. And I'm interested to hear your opinions. Not one fucking comment, not one like, nothing. <laughs> and it's like people saw that and some people read it and they were just like, I'm not going to touch this. Mm-hmm. People because aren't they don't have an People aren't disagreeing. Yeah, because it confuses them, right? Because you challenge it head on. And I think that's one of the things with cancel culture. When you challenge it head on, these sort of woke Gen Z slash early millennial, whoever the fuck it is, people trying to get attention, trying to hurt you because you have a slightly less PC interpretation of the world than they have. They don't have a response to it. I wouldn't say it's slightly less in some cases, but sure. What would you mean though? Well, I guess here's my thought on cancel cultures. I do think that we're sort of at an extreme that doesn't allow for humanity, that doesn't allow for mistakes, that doesn't allow for any sort of room of interpretation. So I, I do think it's to an extreme, but I also think that there should be accountability for someone saying inappropriate things. Like just because you think it's funny doesn't mean it's okay, right? And you're also speaking from a privileged perspective, not somebody who is maybe the the brunt, bearing the brunt of what your joke is, right? So I think just because it was appropriate in 1980 with your example doesn't you, mean that it's appropriate But today. here's the thing, and here's the harsh reality. You need those people who are bearing the brunt of what the joke is because every joke needs a fool. Like I don't care who you are, or what you're making fun of, or what the joke is. You need a person who the joke takes advantage of, mm-hmm. right? And that's just the way it is. And to but say- But when you're taking advantage of marginalized people- 
to as the bearer of your joke. That's not doesn't seem fair, right? Well, okay, wait, wait, wait a second. It doesn't seem fair to her who's younger and hasn't. I mean, you, I know what you're talking about, David. Um, Jen, you're talking about. Uh, I, I see your point. You said that doesn't sound fair. You're growing up in a culture where this, where these sort of woke things are happening. Mm-hmm. Back, I mean, listen, we watched Mel Brooks movies when we were younger, right? Oh, David? I loved them. I yeah. loved if them. If Mel Brooks made his movies today, he would be thrown out of Hollywood. Sure. If he t- attempted. If he attempted springtime for Hitler, he'd be exactly, done. Exactly, exactly. But be he, done. he did that in a time where he knew he would be done with a large percentage of people. Like he knew when mm-hmm. he did that, that he was going to offend people. And and there's, I, I watched it, uh, I can't remember what it was. Well, he's, he's Jewish himself. He's making fun of oh, yeah. himself. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's not like targeting some other people. He's targeting his... Group. So I watched something. My my partner is young, like Jen, and uh, I can't remember what we were watching. They were doing. It was all about the springtime for Hitler thing at one point, and it was funny because a lot of the Mel Brooks stuff now. Mel Brooks isn't really that funny now, and I don't know why it is now. But but back then it was hilarious, and they were showing it and talking about it, and she was aghast. Of course, yeah, she was aghast because she couldn't <laughs> believe it. She's like, I can't believe you chose. Or yeah. there's Blazing Saddles. There's well, scenes of Blazing, Blazing Saddles. Saddle. Yeah, I almost jumped in. Bla- I mean, Bla- how racist is that? Nowadays, in today's yeah. lens. So here's maybe my point, Jen. I don't mean to cut you off, but I like cutting you off. Yeah. Here's the thing, because when cancel culture, when it comes to this kind of satirical look at things, if you will, like Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles made racists the fool. When you look at Drunk, drunk Wives, wives matter. Drunk, drunk Wives Matter, yeah, Drunk Wives Matter. When you look at stuff like that, the, and when you look at uh, Andrew Dice Clay's humor, the people who are like laughing because they think that the joke is racist, mm-hmm. or they're laughing because they think that it's misogynist or whatever it is, they're the fool, and they're playing the fool. And that is what offensive humor is all about. It's about laughing at the fool. So when you watch Blazing Saddles, I can't remember. I don't know black actor. Oh no, Cleavon Little. Cleavon. Oh, Cleavon yeah. Little. Oh, you're awesome, man. You're awesome. When Cleavon Little says, uh, "Are we whatever?" He says, and then uh, Gene Wilder says, "Are we black?" And it's kind of like a little offensive, but it's not, right? You're making fun of it's. It's a really hilarious scene, and there's all these different things. Or Cleavon Little says, "Where are the white women at?" Right? And there's all these things. <laughs> laughing about it, you're laughing at the people who who are racists okay, and po- pointing fun at the fool. Yeah, it it doesn't make Mel Brooks a racist. It makes yeah. Mel Brooks making okay. fun of the racist. Here's the two things I have to say to that. One, cancel culture is larger than offensive humor, right? So I mean, that's one aspect of what cancel culture is. Two, How? because it's more than just offensive humor, right? That's one thing I suppose that they go after, but that's not the only. But it's thing. ostracizing people who say something that the person that's canceling them disagrees. With. Well, I mean, well yeah, it's not always comedy, right? It's like she's saying yeah. it's not comedy. Yeah. The girl that got canceled off the Mandalorian made comments that our culture today is like Nazi Germany or something. Yeah. She wasn't being funny. She was just making a reference to the this way our I political think. climate yeah. is and like it, Nazi. That's not funny, yeah. but it was got her canceled. And cancel yeah. culture is about came up in 2014. It was the Me Too movement, which had nothing to do with humor, right? It had to do with completely inappropriate behavior where they were trying to hold men accountable. Two, you're a white man making a decision about whether or not this movie is offensive I'm or not. I'm a middle-aged white man. <laughs> so what I'm saying is you're not the person who gets to decide whether it's offensive to a black person. Right? I'm a middle-class middle-aged white man. <laughs> you're the worst of the worst. Well, yeah. And, that, and you Jen, know? you made a good point there. It's it's up to the person who's viewing it whether to determine whether they are offended yeah. or not. But what that person should not do is hold somebody else at fault if they find it funny and you don't. Okay? Yeah. So if, sure. yeah, if you don't like what I say or you don't like what I find funny, And this is, Scott said this, Scott said this, giving power to those people 
is what children do. But you're saying that you're, you would disregard how anybody feels as long as you find it funny. No, I'm saying, I'm saying, well, yeah, I would personally. No, personally, I would. If but I, I know that's not true because you and I have, have, have had conversations about things that are maybe no longer appropriate. And you said, if I knew it was hurting somebody, I wouldn't do it anymore. But I don't think some of this stuff is necessarily hurting somebody. But like, that's not up to you to decide is my point. Well, but then you go back to whether people are overly sensitive, which is what my book kind of is about. It's a, it's mm-hmm. a great point because you don't know who's going to be offended by something or not. But I think, and this is just me talking, don't get me in trouble, but I think people are finding <laughs> reasons to be more offended than they should be because of our culture. Like I think that's a good they want to be part of a group that ostracizes. They they want to be involved. In fact, there's a in my book there's an example of um as the the list of injustices mount, all of them not, you know, real injustices, but there are some groups that have yet to be offended and they get upset <laughs> because they have yet to be offended. And the line I use is they felt they were being discriminated against for not being discriminated against. And, and that's kind of my point here is that people are looking for reasons to cancel and looking for reasons to be upset when they're not always really there in as much as we want to respect their opinion. Sometimes it's like, okay, wait a minute. You're just looking for a reason to get upset. Yeah. I mean, that's- be- because I think sure. we've, we've, we've started to put virtue around being offended. Exactly. <laughs> We just have two different perspectives on that. But I, I think for sure, like I do think that the it's gotten to an extreme that isn't necessarily what its intended purpose. Its intended purpose was really saying, holding it accountable. And I think we've gotten past that and we've just sort of gotten into, you know, everybody needs to be canceled every time they make a mistake. And that's not fair because I mean, what you say in 1980, you shouldn't be held accountable for today because we grow and evolve as humans, right? So I don't think it's necessarily fair, but- What about what I said in February? What did you say in February? No, I'm just saying like, oh. like how much time oh. is, is okay. <laughs> the retard comment or? <laughs> well, well, the irony of that is you can be canceled for something you did 20 years ago. And again, well, I gotta yeah. use my book and this is my opinion and this is all in the book, but things he did years ago um, yeah. come back up and now they're offensive. They weren't offensive then, but now that this guy sent out a tweet that had a typo sure. that was homophobic, now all of a sudden everything changes context and something he did 20 years ago mm-hmm. is bad. Like Halloween costume he wore when he was in you know college going to a silly party is now well, you're talking to- about our prime minister <laughs> yeah well that's i mean that's Basically. kind of where my humor in the book comes from is that everything that you've done in your past can be twisted into mm-hmm. something offensive if you choose For to sure. do so i look at justin trudeau in the blackface incident and all i think about is thank god i wasn't good looking enough or important enough that people took pictures of me when i was young like, <laughs> thank holy god holy moly <laughs> Because back then, when when there was, you keep banging the drum of accountability, Mm -hmm. but when there was no accountability, like, it was like a race to see who could be the most offensive. For sure. For sure. It was like a badge of honor, right? In college. Yeah. So I go to a party Uh and people, maybe this is the worst thing I'm going to say. I go to a party in Regina, Saskatchewan in 1995. (laughs) I like how you bring Saskatchewan into this. No, but that's where I was. That's where I was, right? (laughs) And I choose to wear a costume that's going to be hilarious because it is somewhat offensive, Mm -hmm. right? I'm not saying I did this. I'm just saying, say I did. (laughs) And although like you would go to a party in 1995, uh, like a Halloween party. Sure. And the race would be to see who would be the most offensive, right? But there is nobody who fits any of the demographics that you're making fun of at that party. Yeah. Are you being offensive? Would you do it today? No, because I think... (laughs) You can't do it today because it's... Yeah. Yeah, but you you could. You can, but you know in advance that you're setting yourself up for trouble. Because there's phones. 
Right? Because people <laughs> somebody are putting, will take a picture. People are putting things on Instagram. People yeah. are putting things on Twitter. People are putting things so on So aside from being maybe held accountable for your offensive humor, is there any other reason that you wouldn't No, but I'm do saying it? is it is it if there's nobody there to offend? No, because the point is if somebody takes a picture of the party and they post it like the one of Justin Trudeau with the black face. Mm-hmm. Like he there wasn't fucking like Twitter back then, right? So he had no yeah. idea that this picture would end up on Twitter. Or it that it was exist. offensive at the time. I'm sure his intention well, was Well, but the, the question is, was it offensive at the time? Yeah. Probably not. And and he's a stupid college kid at the time having fun. And, and you can sit here and say that it's, it's offensive and it might have been back then or it should have been back then or he should have thought about it. I mean, but at some point, and I'm not taking a stand one way or the other here, but you got to throw the guy a bone at some point and say, you know what? I mean, he was just in college. Look, I dressed in as fairness. a Native American Indian in college. I mean, I, I didn't think who I might be offending. Mm-hmm. It just, it was funny. So we, like you said, yeah. it's just yeah. funny. Yeah. Sure. In fairness, our prime, minister, our prime minister gets a lot of bones thrown at him. So. Yeah. We live in a part of Canada yeah. where we don't like we our prime minister. So, yeah. so anyways. We, when we talk to Americans, we find they think we all love our prime minister. No. Nope. No, we don't. <laughs> anyways, I I guess I don't know how to sum up cancel culture. Although, although Chris Trefeland, Chris Trefeland, I would follow her to the end of the world. There you go. You want to sum up cancel culture? Go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think it's interesting how different your perspective is and i i don't know it would be interesting to see if we could have a gen z or on here and see what their perspective is but. well you know jen maybe you should pull the book out of the uh, fruit basket and read it because i think <laughs> i i uh, will finish I, the book i promise sure oh yeah it's a good book it's did a good you, book did you finish jan's book that you were going to finish yeah, I bought the Audible. Did and you I finish it? it. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'd be curious. I mean, because I, I can, I get where you're coming from. Like, I do think there is an extreme. I do think some of it isn't necessarily in the spirit of what is intended by cancel culture. Um, you know, but yeah. You know what I can't fucking wait for? These Gen Zs, and I only hope I live long enough, 30 years from now, mm-hmm. when they're fucking getting canceled. <laughs> what are they going to be canceled so for? Who knows? Do you think? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. For implanting the wrong chip in their circuitry board. <laughs> Yeah, I'll for be, getting Pfizer instead of Moderna or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What will they be? I'll be I'll be almost turning ninety, oh, and God. I'll be like, "Good for you, little fucks." You'll be dead by then. Who are you kidding? Oh, you don't know. There's medical. No, but you want to be dead by then. Yeah, and I never get anything I want. He's <laughs> <laughs> gonna live to be 107. Yeah, True. yeah. I'm gonna cancel. He's gonna be on the Today Show with what's his name? Al Roker is gonna introduce him as the second oldest Roker man in the world dead to him. By then, yeah. yeah. If I'm ever so old, I get interviewed. I'll, I'll, I'll play the role. Like, yeah. oh yeah, I'm so happy to be alive, and I got so much advice to give to the young folk. And then when they put the mic on me, I'll be like. Please let me die. <laughs> Somebody take me out. Here's yeah, a hit. <laughs> I'll give you 10 grand. Take me out. <laughs> Once you get past 55, it's not worth it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, I was going to say there's no good button to the topic and you're going there. The <laughs> button is it's it is what it is and we're I think we're stuck with it. I mean, I don't see I don't it going away going anytime anywhere. soon. No. Yeah. I hope I hope it scales back and isn't so extreme because I do think there's extremeness in the council culture right now and I and I hope that it kind of comes back to see, what it's intended. See, I hope intended. the opposite. I hope that there's not this like little it kind of comes back and things equalize and there's a balance. I hope it fucking snaps back with a vengeance. No. I hope like when COVID clears and people start paying money for stuff again and we start gathering, I hope there's like 10 fucking Andrew Dice Clays. And I hope hurting people's feelings becomes like the new fad. Because I just think that's what we need. There's no fucking, like we've all been locked in our homes. And actually, it's funny today. How many times have you, I don't know if you've seen this. How many times today have you seen the word languishing? None. It's like the new word of the day. No, I haven't seen it. Languishing, at all. but it's a, it's like the perfect word. So, what group are you going to say? Hey, let's start a let's start being offensive towards you because oh, you, I want to be funny or I, get I to want pick? some humor. Yeah, let's just put it out there. Um. Well, obviously the. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
God. But like the not 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 the hardworking people that we know in Canada that we always port to. Yeah, have people forbid in the United- that hate crimes. I, I, yeah, yeah. Right I'm not. Now. I'm not promoting real hate. But you would be no, by I'm participating not, no, in the let offensive. Me say, let me say, I want like some crazy stereotype, just like no. when John and I were young. We had a crazy Russian stereotype. No, let's just pick that on was white nothing people. like what was real. How about we pick on just white middle aged? I, I will tell you who to pick on. I will tell you okay. who to pick on. Oh, let's sure. hear. Ready? Stupid yeah. people. Stupid people. Because nobody, well, because nobody thinks they're stupid. Everybody will always yeah. think you're talking about somebody else. Oh so yeah, there's that's nobody a good that point. can get offended. There you go. I think and you can find, great. and in fact, in the book, the the guy's dad is not the brightest tool in the shed, and there's a lot of jokes at his expense, at his moronic expense. And who's going to get offended by that? It's funny. The guy's an idiot. So when you make fun of stupidity, um, nobody thinks you're talking about them. There you go. Let's start now. <laughs> Whatever gets you off of a pigeonholing a specific minority sounds the, well, great actually, to me. You, you know what? You know what? We got to start wrapping up soon because we're getting close to time. But the uh, you made a good point. Once this is all over, who do we start to pick on? So let's make a quick list of people we can't pick on, and then we will come up with the people Any we can pick on. Because I think group. John's onto something. Okay, race? No. Race? No. no. Obviously no. Obviously no. <laughs> Wasn't sexual, obvious to you okay. a minute ago. Sexual identification? No. No. Yeah. No. No. Gender? Right? No. Oh, come on. You no. make fun of me because I'm a guy nonstop. I make fun of you because you're David Keem. Middle-aged white man. Yeah, I do. I do. Middle-aged white man. He's not making fun of David. It's middle-aged white man. She's making fun of yeah. yeah. so middle reasonable. White- and I'm hurt know. by that. I, that upsets me as well. Yeah. So, <laughs> Are you offended? Uh, yeah, so, very yeah. much so. You're canceled. I'm okay, so anymore. gender, gender unless it's male. Yeah. Age, unless it's middle-aged. Correct. Race, unless it's white. Correct, yes. Okay, well, we'll work with that. All right, no. How about professions? Professions you can make fun of. Oh, yeah, that's true. That doesn't seem personal. Congress. As long as it's not human resources. Is there any culture we can make fun of? No. No. Really, nothing. No culture. Religions? No. What is wrong with you? Holy cow. Anything that is protected under what is called our human rights legislation should probably be out. No. Not for making jokes. (laughs) Well, you can also make fun of institutions like Hollywood as a broad broad sort of a thing. There you go. Um, You can make fun of potentially, not religion, but churches in general. I I think that might be a little iffy, but, you know, any institution that is a something that we look at without going into the intricate details within it, <laughs> I think you can probably do. Okay. So we've got, we've got, no, let's just leave. So you've got white, celebrities, male, Hollywood. Yeah. Cause, cause yeah. you can't, you can't make exclusions. Celebrities. You can always do celebrities. That seems never to be a faux pas. Mm, yeah. But I'm not going to walk around being like, you're a fucking Kardashian. I think. Look so. at this fucking Kardashian <laughs> trying to be all hot. Like that's not I happen. think you just need to limit yourself to stupid people and you'll be covered. And I think you would really enjoy making fun of stupid people. And I mean, stupid you like celebrities. To- Just go stupid celebrities. Yeah. yeah. Stupid politicians. Yeah, exactly. I like making fun of stupid people who, who aren't necessarily even stupid. I can't see your mouth. Yeah, he can't see and neither can I, but I see where you're pointing. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to cut this out so, so the next 10 seconds won't make it into the podcast. Okay. Okay, but let's let's but let's really quickly and uh, we cut all that out. So this Mm -hmm. this ideal person that we just said, Mm -hmm. let's pick apart what he is. He's young. Okay. He's ill informed. Yeah. Right. Ignorant. 
ignorant. He's ignorant. Yeah, he's ignorant. He learns everything from Facebook, <laughs> right? And he has no principles. Isn't and he that how he most people? He thinks he knows everything. He thinks he knows more than you. You, oh God, how the hell did you know this guy? I wrote a book. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the book. Yeah, it's like you know. Oh yeah. Okay, so there that's who we can make fun of once this is yeah. all over. Yeah. Young, unprincipled, ignorant. I think young might be an issue, but go with the rest. No, fuck it, young. No, it doesn't have fuck to be the young. young. <laughs> fuck the young. Oh, fuck. Thinks he knows everything. Or fuck she the, thinks he knows everything. Think they know everything. Yeah, we are going to. Think the way of the world in the 80s was the way it should be. We won't come up with it now, but let's all think of a word for this and we're going to coin it. And that's going to be the new group. Uh, you know what? I'll just say it because it'll get bleeped out. <laughs> that's the new b- b- for the post pandemic humor. Sure. Okay. That's how we'll, that's how we'll be cancel culture. That's how be we'll called be called languishers. So what the you're languishers. So what you're saying is we're going to beat cancel culture by no longer participating in offensive humor that targets specific minorities. No, you know what's going to be awesome. <laughs> what's going to be awesome? Hey, David, when you're editing, let's uh, we're going to beep out so much stuff, and we're just going to say so many things now to make Jen awkward. She's laughing now. Let's see if we can make oh, her stop God. laughing. No, we're going to come up with a new thing and a word for it. So then when we say something negative, and it's going to replace the. F- oh God! It's going to replace the. Shit out. Oh God! It's gonna replace the Jen. I can't. It's even. gonna replace that. Yeah, there we go. I just needed to say it. Not afraid to say anything because you might not bleep it. Are you fucking. <laughs> oh my God! I'm gonna bleep it. He doesn't want to get canceled. Well, if I, if I say it, you don't have to bleep it. The. Uh, but I'll let me add this though. The st- the stupid people comment is nice because it applies to any race. I mean, you again. I'm not gonna say the name of a race, but you could be talking about a stupid person who is of color or of race or something. And you're not doing, you're not picking on the race. You're just talking about stupid people. So stupid people are universal. They could be any race, ethnicity. And everybody has them. Mm-hmm. Right. So it, you you are targeting them without specifically targeting and them. And they're stupid men. They're stupid women. Yeah, right. White, <laughs> white privileged people yep. can be stupid yeah. and Ugh, you're targeting those them. Those are the worst. Yeah. No matter the sexual preference, they're stupid ones. There you it's go. An all inclusive, it it's an all-inclusive bubble. Stupid can be anybody, anywhere with any belief. So They're true. just stupid. So true. <laughs> well, once again, the Lucid Conversational Podcast <laughs> solves the world's problems. Thank goodness. Alrighty, we're pretty much at thank time. Thank you. You're saying thank you because we're already done. Well, I'm going to let you. Yeah, I was let saying quiet. Th- let you wrap it up. David is going to change his ways. That is the summary of this podcast. I'm not going to change my ways. <laughs> no, that is not the summary of this podcast. I'm going to find a new target audience, and every single time I say, hmm. you'll know what I mean. So you can assume it's still charged and. No, it's still, it might be you. <laughs> it might be me. If you're a listener and you're stupid, it might be yeah. you. Because that's the point of what we come up with. It's going to focus on people who do stupid things. Mm. Well, there's lots of Oh, those. there's my other podcast. I'm doing Who's Funnier. I should have another one called Who's Stupider. Oh, geez. And yeah. spell oh it S-T-O-O-P-I-D-E-R-R. <laughs> it's funny that you guys say that because anybody who knows me, fuck, this is going to extend the podcast longer. Ugh. I'll be quick. I'll be quick. So, Jen, you know about my five rules, right? Yes. Which became six rules? Yes. Yeah, do you know what rule number two is? No. So, I literally <laughs> live my life by five rules. You and I, I You have, had a time period where you didn't live your- I'm back. I'm back to the five rules. <laughs> you had your white girl phase. I had my white girl phase where I thought it was negative, but yeah. I realized it's not negative now. <laughs> The uh, and since the nineties, I believe this. And rule number two: everybody's stupid, mm. and that's that's what's going to make this whole thing work. Everybody's fucking stupid. Everybody. There's mm. my next book right there. That's the title. Everybody's, everybody's stupid. stupid. 
everybody's lord love a duck anyways Alrighty. well thank you very much john bernardo <laughs> yeah i've enjoyed being here you guys are great um we you could do awesome. it all day but i know you have to keep this thing short i feel bad that you weren't you didn't get drunk during this podcast and i did <laughs> I, I haven't seen bad? you take a oh, sip yeah. of any i haven't seen you drink anything really oh, yeah Jeepers. he's been Age drinking creepers man he's why, why did you take a sip Oh my god! I... Well, I'm staring at Jen the whole time. That's why I'm not looking at you. <laughs> I've, I've, I've almost polished off a bottle. I think Jen had what, like yeah, two or three drinks? Not a very much. I had one drink. Oh yeah. I got to do this weird thing. I got to wait till I drive home and stuff. <laughs> wait till so, you actually sober. I, answer this to me. So you're in Florida. We've talked to a few different people in the United States. Do you have a drink, a uh, vodka called Pink Whitney in the United States? Hmm. No, I've never heard of that. Jesus Christ! You're missing out. These guys are missing out. You know, Pink it's not Whitney. I, it's Pink I Whitney. That. It's it's. It's do you have do you have a flavor called pink lemonade? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so it's pink lemonade flavored vodka. Mm. And there's a whole other podcast like company called Barstool Sports. And this is their thing. It's not mm. us. It's they started with a couple with a hockey podcast and stuff like that. And I don't really pay much attention to them. But holy shit, it is uh delicious. Yeah, it is delicious. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely fantastic. You can drink it during a podcast. And then suddenly get a loose. And before you know it, the bottle's gone. Oh, fuck yeah. I'll get keep that in mind next time I go out boozing. I don't know if you guys can get it <laughs> yeah. because every time we talk to somebody in the in the U.S., they don't seem to know about it. Well, just ask but for it, a glass of pink lemonade plus some Absolute. There you go. You can make your own pink lemonade. Oh, there lemonade. you go. Yeah. yeah. Do it myself. I can go make that myself right now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Where was this okay, conversation thanks, at the beginning of the podcast? Thank you. Uh, well, that's the thing. Our conversations get better. As the yes. podcast goes that on. If I were you, thing. I would edit the ending and just move it to the beginning. Yeah. yeah if only I could somehow – it starts like, getting worse, people can sign off. They don't miss anything. Yeah. If, yeah. I, if only I could like memento the podcast <laughs> and make it go from the beginning to the front. But, uh, but We haven't um, got those skills yet. Yeah, I'm not that good. Yeah. Maybe the, okay. the, the other funny part is like we're going to like uh, stop the podcast right now and say our goodbyes. And then John and I will talk for a minute yeah, as we first down. talk. Oh, fucking Jen is gone. <laughs> Jen like sprints yeah. out of here. I'm just right? like Pat Sajak did. Yeah, exactly. She's I'm gonna done. Pat Sajak. I'm us. out. Yeah, this can, is... you, can you say cut now so I can go? Yeah, she's known for this. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, John. Thank Bye. you very much. Bye. Thanks for keeping it loose with us. Please like and subscribe to our podcast. Check out new episodes weekly and read our blog on looseandconversational.com. Finally, like and follow us on Facebook. I would love to have something from you in my inbox.